Good morning. This is the second segment in a series of training modules that will introduce you to the Dubai International Financial Center, or DIFC, and the Dubai Financial Services Authority, or DFSA. Do read through the first segment for a detailed introduction to the DIFC and the DFSA, the core principles for authorized firms and individuals and supervision practices of the DFSA. To refresh our memories, here is a bit about the DIFC and the DFSA. The Dubai International Financial Center, or DIFC, is the leading financial hub for the Middle East, Africa and South Asia region, which comprises 72 countries with an approximate population of 3 billion and a nominal GDP of 8 trillion US dollars. DIFC is home to an internationally recognized, independent regulator and a proven judicial system with an English common law framework, as well as the region's largest financial ecosystem of more than 29,700 professionals working across over 4,000 active registered companies. This makes up the largest and most diverse pool of industry talent in the region. His Highness Sheikh Maktoum bin Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum is the chairman of the DIFC. How does the DIFC operate? The DIFC authority oversees all non-regulated businesses in the DIFC. They act as the liaison between the regulator, the leasing facilities and the registrar of companies. They also serve as facilitators, bringing in firms that wish to do business in the region. The DIFC courts handle all civil disputes. These are English courts, and work independent of UAE law for all civil matters. The DIFC Arbitration Center deals with disputes that are to be settled under arbitration. The Dubai Financial Services Authority, or DFSA, regulates all authorized firms, single-family offices, DNFBPs and authorized individuals. It is the independent regulator of financial services conducted in or from the DIFC. What is the role of the DFSA? The DFSA is the independent regulator that authorizes and supervises all financial service firms in the DIFC. It administers the various laws that form the legal framework, and has powers to enforce these laws and the associated rules that apply to all regulated participants within the center. In addition to regulating financial and ancillary services, the DFSA is responsible for supervising and enforcing anti-money laundering, AML, and counter-terrorist financing, CTF, requirements applicable in the DIFC. Okay. Let us now learn more about the firm, its services and the systems and controls associated with operating out of the DIFC. How many licenses do you have? Every authorized firm has a commercial license from the DIFC, that allows the firm to operate out of the center. It also has a financial services permission from the DFSA, that allows it to conduct financial service activities as authorized by the regulator. Your firm has financial service permissions from the DFSA to engage in the following activities. Managing assets. Advising on financial products. Arranging deals and investments and. Arranging custody. Let's briefly go over the definitions of these activities. Managing assets means managing on a discretionary basis assets belonging to another person if the assets include any investment, crypto token or rights under a contract of long-term insurance, not being a contract of reinsurance. This includes portfolio management on behalf of clients on a discretionary basis and managing real assets under an OPOA. Next, advising on financial products. Advising on financial products means giving advice to a person in his capacity as an investor or potential investor, or in his capacity as agent for an investor or a potential investor, on the merits of his buying, selling, holding, subscribing for or underwriting a particular financial product, whether as principal or agent. Third, arranging custody. Arranging custody means arranging for one or more persons to carry on the activity described below. A. Safeguarding and administering investments belonging to another person. B. In the case of a fund, 
safeguarding and administering fund property, or c. acting as a central securities depository. Finally, arranging deals and investments. Arranging deals and investments means making arrangements with a view to another person buying, selling, subscribing for or underwriting an investment, whether that other person is acting as principal or agent. The arrangements include a. Arrangements which do not bring about the transaction, and b. Arrangements comprising or involving the receipt and transmission of client orders in relation to investments or crypto tokens. We now come to the clients that you can deal with. Depending on your license, you may be able to deal with retail clients as well, specifically, if you have a retail endorsement. A small note on client classification. The DFSA recognizes three types of clients, retail, professional, and market counterparties. There are three routes through which a person may be classified as a professional client. 1. Deemed professional clients. As these persons have significant assets under their control, and, therefore, either possess, or have the resources to obtain, the necessary expertise to manage such assets, they can be classified as deemed professional clients without having to meet any additional net asset and expertise criteria. These are usually large organizations, such as national monetary authorities, pension funds, regulated exchanges, companies listed on large exchanges, large undertakings, single-family offices and the like. 2. Service-based professional clients, person obtaining advice or arranging credit for the purposes of corporate structuring and financing can be classified as a professional client based on the nature of such activities, which are generally sought by persons with greater expertise and resources than retail clients. Such advice and arranging occurs in the context of takeovers and merger activities and capital raising activities of companies, including any initial public offerings or other offers of securities for capital raising purposes. 3. Assessed professional clients, an individual can be classified as a professional client if the individual has net assets of at least $1 million and either is, or has been in the previous two years, an employee in a relevant professional position of an authorized firm or a regulated financial institution, or appears on reasonable grounds, to have sufficient experience and understanding of the relevant financial markets, products and transactions and any associated risks. 4. Okay, that was about the types of clients. Let's now go a bit deeper into what the DFSA expects from the firm. Let's look at the systems and controls that the DFSA expects the firm to have in place. The DFSA sets out the requirements for the governing body and the senior management within a firm, who are to take direct responsibility for the firm's arrangements on matters likely to be of interest to the DFSA wherever they may give rise to risks to the DFSA's objectives or they affect the DFSA's functions under the legislation applicable in the DIFC. Firstly, Apportionment of Significant Responsibilities A firm must apportion significant responsibilities between the members of its governing body and its senior management and maintain such apportionment in such a way that a. It meets the corporate governance requirements of the DFSA. b. It is appropriate with regard to the nature, scale and complexity of the business of the firm and the ability and qualifications of the responsible individuals. c. It is clear who is responsible for which matters. and d. The business of the firm can be adequately monitored and controlled by the governing body and senior management. The SEO is responsible for the apportionment of responsibilities and overseeing the establishment and maintenance of systems and controls. The DFSA mandates that a firm must establish and maintain systems and controls, including but not limited to financial and risk systems and controls, that ensure that its affairs are managed effectively and responsibly by its senior management. The nature and extent of the systems and controls will depend upon a variety of factors including the nature, scale and complexity of its business. Next, organization structure. 
the firm should ensure that the roles and responsibilities assigned to its governing body and the members of that body, senior management and persons undertaking key control functions, such as audit, risk and compliance, are clearly defined, with clear reporting lines and documented communication of the same to all employees. Also, all employees engaged in financial service activities have to be clearly identified, together with his respective lines of accountability and supervision. An example of an employee providing financial services to a customer is a client relationship manager employed by an authorized firm providing wealth management services. In contrast, an employee who may be employed in the back office of an authorized firm with responsibility for setting up client accounts would not be client-facing. Some good organization structures include the following. The division of responsibilities between the governing body and the senior management should be clearly established and set out in writing. In assigning duties, the governing body should take care that no one individual has unfettered powers in making material decisions. Members of the governing body may include individuals undertaking senior management functions, such as the chief executive of the firm, and persons undertaking key control functions. In assigning specific functions to such individuals, care should be taken to ensure that the integrity and effectiveness of the functions they are to perform are not compromised. For example, if the chairperson of the governing body is also the chief executive officer of the authorized person, the governing body should ensure that the performance assessment of that individual in his roles should be undertaken by a senior non-executive member of the governing body or an independent external consultant. Key duties and functions are segregated. For instance, an SEO cannot also be the compliance officer, due to the inherent conflicts of interest in these functions. Other systems and controls include establishing and maintaining sound risk management and compliance systems, with accompanying policies and procedures to ensure and evidence compliance with applicable DFSA rules. These functions should also have access to sufficient resources in order to discharge their duties effectively. The firm should also the establishment and maintenance of effective internal audit procedures. The above control functions of risk management, compliance and internal audit can be outsourced, with prior approvals from the DFSA. Next comes the regulatory business plan. Yes, this is not a one-time thing that one produces during an application. The firm must produce a business plan which enables it, amongst other things, to manage the risks to which it and its customers are exposed. The business plan must take into account the firm's current business activities and the business activities forecast for the next 12 months. The business plan must be documented and updated as appropriate to take account of changes in the business environment and to reflect changes in the business of the firm. The firm must also establish and maintain arrangements to provide its governing body and senior management with the information necessary to organize, monitor and control its activities, to comply with legislation applicable in the DIFC and to manage risks. The information must be relevant, accurate, comprehensive, timely and reliable. The DFSA also expects the firm to ensure that the SEO, the compliance officer and the money laundering reporting officer remain competent by completing a minimum of 15 hours of continuing professional development, CPD, in each calendar year. This can be achieved through courses, seminars, lectures, conferences, workshops, web-based seminars or e-learning which require a commitment of 30 minutes or more. Other requirements include outsourcing and business continuity. Outsourcing a firm which outsources any of its functions or activities directly related to financial services to service providers, including within its group, is not relieved of its regulatory obligations and remains responsible for compliance with legislation applicable in the DIFC. Business continuity, a firm must have in place adequate arrangements to ensure that it can continue to function and meet its obligations under the legislation applicable in the DIFC in the event of an unforeseen interruption. This brings us to the end of the second module of the training session 
Introduction to the DIFC and the DFSA. Here is a bit about how we at 10 Leaves can help you. We provide turnkey services for getting authorized and staying authorized. Our GRC team is at hand to help you with ongoing compliances, prudential reporting and risk management. We also assist you with maintaining good corporate governance in the firm, one aspect that is much overlooked by most firms that we have consulted. In addition to this, we help with accounting and bookkeeping activities and filing of VAT returns on a regular basis. The newly issued tax laws may also be relevant to the firm and we will assist you in registering with the authorities and creating tax efficiencies for the business. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening, and do get in touch with us by writing in to us at connect at 10leaves.ae. Do also visit our website at www.10leaves.ae. Have a good day. Dash.